Soccer Showdown with Martino Puccio. Everybody and welcome on in to Soccer Showdown. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Join alongside me, as always, for another Milan-centric episode is Matt Santangelo. How's it going? Well, by now you probably have heard the intro, and that's kind of what I've been humming and singing to myself ever since the final whistle of uh, the Derby yesterday. So I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good right now. Yeah, obviously we all know what happened yesterday. Milan finally get... Um, a victory in the Milan Derby. Um, well, in in the Serie A Derby, because we should mm-hmm. say that they did they did not come out in that uh, famous Coppa Italia game with Cutrone and uh, Antonio Donnarumma. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. This was a, in a vacuum. You and I both um, reviewed the game on Twitter, uh, Periscope Live, but apparently <laughs> it only lasted eight seconds yeah. or so. The video that uploaded, so the full the full um, breakdown of the match wasn't really uh, available for everybody. So might as well do the episode anyways. So came into this, they're undefeated in their first three games, obviously um, winning all three of those winning every single um, Europa league qualifier game as well, advancing to that, to the group stage, which they'll have uh, the first game against Celtic this coming Thursday, which we'll obviously talk about later, but two to one victory. They came out, um, this game was a very back-and-forth match most of the time. Um, obviously, this coming after an international break, there was a lot of COVID cases between both teams. Mm-hmm. Milan missing two players from it, Inter was missing six, but a lot of them weren't really that many of their main starters, and they have such great depth that it really shouldn't have been an issue. Um, if you just looked at the names that were on the field, Inter had enough in the midfield. They had their full attack there, um, and they still had Defry and their starting keeper. So there really isn't any excuses that Inter should be using. But, of course, Antonio Conte and the rest of the crew over there are going to be bitching and moaning as they should. Uh, not as they should, or as they usually do. Um, but it's funny to me because the only goal yesterday that was lucky was the Inter goal, if you want to go there, because of that deflection that took off Donnarumma and went right to Lukaku's feet. So you tell me how it goes there, just in case anyone want to come here to go bitch about it. Um, Milan outplayed them. They deserved the three points. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, I thought the referee was very poor throughout this match. I think he let a little too much happen to the, mm-hmm. to the extent that, it, that the match was getting out of control with all these fouls. He should have called the yellows on Vidal and Barella much earlier in the game. Um, it was just too many inconsistent calls that weren't fair towards each side, uh, in my opinion. Um, the penalty decision was absolutely correct. Kolarov was abysmal, probably the worst player on the pitch. I think Lataro Martinez, it's not talked about enough on how useless and, you know, absent he was yesterday. And that, and that has to be credit to Milan's defense because at the end of the day, again, right, we kept talking about, everyone keeps talking about all the absentees for Inter. We're talking about the guys that were there for Inter, 
and there and what is you know considered by a lot of people the best duo attacking duo in the league didn't really do much they really didn't they had their chances inter inter could have scored around three goals Hakimi Lukaku missed some chances at the end um Lataro really created nothing um I think Vidal had a so-so game. Um, he was getting very, you know, I think he was outplayed by Kessie for sure. Um, Hakimi was fantastic for Inter. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it was just Milan taking more advantage of their opportunities. That counterattack um, on the second goal, you know, Calabria was great against Perisic, won the ball there. Salamakers had a great turn. Bombs it up towards the center of the field where Hakan was. Hakan gets a hockey assist over to Rafael Liao. And the cross in with his left foot was just phenomenal. Uh, you know, because we know his strong foot's his right foot. But to send that ball in so crisp, that right there is just a play again where you just see the talent oozing. And this kid is still just getting adjusted to the league. It's not like he had a very long off season for him to adjust and, you know, adapt and, and grow his game he's got to do it on the fly in the middle of the season like everyone else does but for me again you know this is his he started the first derby last year he had a tough go of it because he had to go up against Diego Godin that's no easy match but he showed some skill in that game and then this one today I mean look Ibra again it's just he has the fountain of youth 39 years old this hasn't been seen anywhere in the sports history the level that he is playing at, the level of production he has, coming back from COVID nonetheless. Um, he's got four goals already, and he's just been phenomenal. And you know what? Milan deserved three points, four games, 12 points. Not much else to say. Just complete turnaround for this club that, you know, it's still, it's still hard to uh, comprehend because you just have to pinch yourself every now and then because this team is good now. It's not even – it's not a fluke anymore. It's throw everything out of the window with all these narratives of people saying like, oh, well, meal on this, meal on that. They're good, and they need to be respected because at any point right now or any team that they face in this league, you think they could get the three points from the match. And, and, that, and that says a lot. Absolutely, yeah. I think you, you did a, a phenomenal job of sort of somewhat kind of diving into um... – the, the 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 good players, the bad players, the players who are a little bit absent, who didn't really show up in the match. And for me, I think, you know, look, if we can go um, – yeah, I know you highlighted on the State of Play pod. I thought, you know, um, I thought that the, the Hakimi-Teo matchup was going to be big, as you mentioned on our, our most recent episode. And in that match, I think – or in the derby, shall I say, I thought Hakimi got the better – a better of Teo in, in that sense. I mean, obviously there were some moments where Teo bombed back up to track back and actually made some, um, you know, uh, uh, some some covered some key ground on Lukaku. Oh, there, again, that was that one instance where I know Conte was barking for a foul, which never arrived. But um, I, I, I want to touch on the refereeing real quickly before I get to some of the other players because I think in in, in certain in certain respects I enjoyed the way the officiating was done yesterday because I like seeing the players decide the outcome of the game. I don't like the the officiating to be the sort of um, the talking point or the main headline um you know during the game after the game and have that sort of be the dictator that says well if it wasn't for the officiating we would have won this game or the result would have been different I mean the penalty clipped them obviously the offside call which obviously there was a penalty that followed after but that negates it because it, it preceded that that sort of contact from Donnarumma and Lukaku so overall I thought the decisions on those those pivotal moments were were fair but they were correctly called um 
but as far as players go, I thought, look, I thought, you know, Samuel Kier was, was phenomenal. That was going to be um, a really big focus in this one because obviously Roman Yoli hasn't played competitive minutes in, what, three months? three-ish months because he was injured in the, at the tail end of last season. And well, now he's pushing into, four at this point. Yeah. yeah he comes into a, a big, big match without any minutes under his belt in the Europa League match or against Spezia, Cortona, or Bologna. And he's asked to kind of contest with, uh, you know, the Lukaku-Latar-Martinez partnership, as you mentioned, is deemed by many to be the best um, tandem in Serie A. And I thought Lukaku looked pretty strong at a lot of points. He's a really good, really good hold-up player. Um, anytime he got on the ball, he was just able to bully whoever was on the ball. But in, in the sense that he was able to kind of just, like, you know, slow the game down, let guys come forward and, and make that little layoff pass. And I think he was just entered being um, disappointed by their own finishing. I think there were some opportunities that they could have done a lot better with that maybe could have swayed this game in a different manner. But in any case, I thought Milan definitely deserved this. As you mentioned, Ibrahimovic, defying father time. I mean, <laughs> defeats COVID, defeats Inter pretty much with two goals here. And um, he had two goals in the previous derby too. So, you know, to see a guy at 39 leading the league, I believe, in scoring, I don't think we've ever had a Capocanieri winner this old. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I know Luca Toni was pretty old when he split the honors and with uh, Mario. was just the right. most recent one. <clears throat> right, with, with um, Mario Cardi. So, but yeah, I, I think that overall, Frank Kessier, appreciation little nod here for him because I think we all look at Teo, we look at Benacer, we look at all these other players in the squad, rightfully so deserving of their credit. Salamakers, I thought, has come, come along really, really well. I think for a player who was overlooked in everything um, in January, much like Simon Cayer, you know, for mm-hmm. that fee, for him to grow the way he's growing, despite some what, what people are saying about him and not being Milan quality. They, they, ripped, they, they ripped the and, guy before he even stepped foot right, on the field. Right. For them. And, that's how, and that's how I was. I was like, you know what? Give the kid a shot. He's coming from Anderlecht. You can see how passionate and how like much of a moving moment it was for him to join Milan. And mm-hmm. it seems like in every three to four game spell, you're seeing growth. Like you're seeing a player like to come into a derby and to play the way he did, to look confident like he did. That speaks volumes to not only the player and what he's got mentally and physically and how he's growing day to day on the training ground, but also what Pioli is doing as a coach with some of these young players. And that, that deserves this recognition as well. But Frank Kessier, I want to get back to him real quickly and we'll move on. Frank Kessier, he's, uh, he's a sure thing starter. And I know a lot of people were talking about, well, if you get Bakayoko, Tonali, what's the midfield situation going to be like? You know, sell Kessie. No, 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 no. Frank Kessie's been with this team since 2017. He's only 23. He plays pretty much every single minute of every single game. And, Call me a liar, since 2020 began, he's been the model of consistency. Very few errant passes. He's covering the space. He's blocking and, 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 and armoring the, the back line. He's doing all the things that you want from that position. And again, 23 years old, and this is a proof that you do not give up on players this young because you can see Kessie is growing as a player. Like I said, people are going to you know, look at his issues and some of the things he can't do. Final third being one of them is a little bit of a concern with some of his finishing. But my goodness, him and Ben Aceri is they, them playing in, in, in harmony is, is a joy to watch. And the result is just encapsulates what Milan has been experiencing since 2020 began. Good performance overall as a team. Some guys that maybe didn't perform as well. Others pick them up and they get the result. And they will have a, a perfect four for four to begin the season. And one goal conceded. Pretty good. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that, and that's again going against one of the best attacks in the right. league, and you know Romagnoli not playing for for months now, and right. coming into that, look, he didn't play great at all. No. He he was poor, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like they didn't concede that much. They conceded one, and it was just off a deflection. I thought I thought Calabria had a couple bad moments. It was his fault on the goal because he, he couldn't was commit miss. to what player. He, yeah. I thought for overall he was still good. He yeah, really yeah, rallied in the second second half. He was very solid. And you know what? That's a huge mental boost for him. And just right. the overall <clears throat> mental hurdle, again, this is like one of, one, of the, one of those mental hurdles that they had to get over. And this yeah. is something that we've seen them have. It is when Ibra's not playing, they're still winning games. Mm-hmm. When they go down 2 nothing against Juve, they come back and they score four goals. Doesn't matter. That's still Juve, the nine straight Scudetto winners, right? They win that. They draw against Atalanta with nobody. They somehow win that penalty shootout against Rio Ave. Then they go up 2-0 against Inter again. They went up 2-0 against them all the way back in February, a match in which they ended up giving conceding four goals in the second half. They do not concede a goal in the second half in this match. They hold on to win 2-1, and now they remain undefeated. While they're only conceding one goal. And we right. know how difficult it is for a lot of teams these days in Serie A to not concede. And they've just been great. And another point that you and I were talking about yesterday, just real quick on Kessie, you could see him track back and he was bullying Lukaku. He was going yeah. pound for pound weight strength with that guy. And a lot of people, at least 90-something percent of the players that go up against Lukaku get bullied against him. They get bullied. Him. And Kessie bullied him off the ball. And he might be one of the most physically strong midfielders in the world. And that's not even an exaggeration for a 23-year-old that we're talking about. And, um, and you could see why. You could see why. You know, and I tweeted this out, too, because someone mm-hmm. we were going, I was going back and forth with someone on Twitter in regards to my, my Kessie appreciation tweet, which got a lot of traction. But, you know, there's a reason why you can see in some of the performances he puts in that Premier League clubs were interested. And people were like, oh, sell him. 25, 30 million. Sell this guy. Sell him. And I'm like, hold, pump the brakes here. Because where are you finding a box to box player like him who is, is consistent is very young and plays pretty much every game. That's you're not finding that any nope. much of anywhere in, in, in the modern market for 30, 25 to 30 million. And the fact that he's been at the club of the same thing with Hakan, they have a sense of calming and they're in many ways like leaders in this squad, because you can see in the comments that people talk about with Francesia, you know, you know, what they call the, the El Presidente? Like the, the, the team mm-hmm. is, they look at the player and it's like, yeah, he's young. But some of these players in this squad have been through complete shit days with this club, results-wise, performances-wise. And now they're like, you know what? I've been with this team for about three to four years. I know what it takes to play with this shirt on. I know what a good performance looks like and what I need to do to be worthy of this shirt. And you're seeing guys like Hakan at 25, 26. Guys like Frank Kessie at 23 play almost above their level as far as experience goes. And I think that's a really key thing in this squad is that there's a lot of youth in the squad. And even some of the like middle of the road players um, in terms of age are still like pretty young. They got a lot of experience under their belt. Like Donnarumma, mm-hmm. he's 21, but he's got all that experience under his belt. He looked much better. He looks much better, much more composed and less injury, um, not injury, mistake prone. So yeah. you see the culmination of this, and that's exactly what that performance was yesterday in comparison, in my opinion, to what we saw in the reverse match earlier this past year against Inter, where they were up to zero, and then months that first or second goal was in from Inter, they mentally just capitulated. This game, they got the – like, p- most people were probably watching the game yesterday thinking, oh, 2-1 now. 
Inter are going to come and press them and Robin Nilly doesn't look as sharp. Oh my goodness. Yep. Another, is this going to be the same thing? But they, they bent, but they didn't break and they, they held Inter scoreless in the second half and they held on and they got the result they wanted. Yeah. And you know what, uh, again, this is uh, the last point I think we should make before we move on to the Celtic is Pioli. There's a talk about a guy who's just still not getting the respect because everyone is so hesitant mm-hmm. of his track record and everything. And then this is something I said a few weeks ago. It might be a couple months now. He he just gets it. I think there's this sort of click and it's the right environment, the right timing for him with this team, mm-hmm. this age group that's very similar in a way to Gasparini is that like he he gets it. It just takes time. Like not you're mm-hmm. not not everyone is always a world class coach all the time. There's just you know certain situations that just work for managers. Yeah. And you know what? He is hitting. I was skeptical of the substitutes he made yesterday. Give credit to Krunich, man. Yeah. I, I think every single appearance that he's had for this team, it is he has not put them in situations where he's making mistakes. I think he's giving him good minutes where his energy levels are up, which I'm very mm-hmm. happy to see because they elected not to sell him right. after just one year where he really didn't get that many opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I totally get it because he's not really that kind of double pivot player. Um, he's more of, you know, a Matsala, whereas we kind of off to the side. And he almost had an opportunity to score. I thought he did well moving forward with that. You know, that's I big. agree. That's big to have a contributor like that getting minutes and, you know, Kessia getting some rest because although we do talk about how he is 23, his body's got to be a lot older with all the minutes yeah. that he's yeah. over these years. And we discussed this on the State of Play podcast with Pet. Thomas Partey is a couple years older, still has less minutes than Kessia's played in his career. You know, like that, that stuff matters. That all adds up at the end of the right. day. You just hope he doesn't burn out. I think Tonali coming in, it was a nice, you know, it's just nice subtle minute minutes that he gets to get alleviate the pressure off of his shoulders. Right. You know, like and I get think, in, get in his Milan Derby, mm-hmm. doesn't not too much asked of him. And you know, when the ball went out of bounds on that, that's all on Samu. Samu didn't even have his feet set ready for that pass because, you know, some people want to get on Tonali for that. But other than that, like, I mean, substitutes yeah. work for me. I, I'm not sure. I think I probably would have wanted Diaz in there. He would have been better for ball retention to drain out the clock as opposed to Samu who gets bullied off the ball fairly easily. But again, like mm-hmm. just, just credit all around that deser- uh, deserves to be a sung for everybody. Yeah. I think it's a, one last thing on Pioli. I think, you know, you, when you look at him in his quotes and you look at his, his, the, the, his presence and you look at kind of just the overall vibe around his team, there's a sense of professionalism when you see him. Like, he's not going to be the one-liner guy in the media. He's not going to point blame at anyone. He's, like, all business. You know what I'm saying? He's a pure professional in every sense, and that he's going to go out there, he's going to do the job. You see him, like, the comments. Like, Conte said something about the players. Oh, Milan got lucky. I think he said it's Sky. Whereas, like, Pioli came back, and he kind of had, like, a more subtle, more, like, you know, way of thinking. It's like, the winner will celebrate, the loser will explain things. Like, almost as almost just, like, like, in his mind, like, you know, shut up and produce. Like, we're going to keep our head down and we're going to move forward. And I think there's a really, really strong sense of unity around this team. And you can even see with Ibrahimovic. You can see it with certain players in the squad. Like, the vibe. I feel like this is the, the most – we've seen, we've, we've seen this in, in previous years with Katuso and Mihalovic. But we're getting the camaraderie. We're getting the, the unity, the leadership. We're getting the old, overall team chemistry, you know, built, but we're also getting the results too. And that's only going to help boost the morale of these guys. And, you know, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun time to be supporting this team. And I'm really happy for a guy like Pioli. 
the whole, you know, who, who the whole Pioli out thing before he even signed. And then he gets the extension and people are still killing him because they wanted Ralph Ragnick. It, it, look, that's what I'm saying. He does his job. He's not going to come and he's like, you know, I got a job to do. I'm going to get my guys prepared for these matches. And he's doing the job really, really well and proving to everyone that he deserves to stay, to, to stay and keep his job. So, so well done to Pioli. He's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, um, just amazing. And this comes after almost a little past the year when everyone was, yeah. it was trending worldwide, Pioli out. And um, <laughs> man, it's just amazing. You know, Milan fans should start writing off everyone a lot faster because <laughs> yeah. they, they've been dead wrong with everyone else. And um, <clears throat> so, so, so anyways, look, we'll, we'll get into the Celtic match. We know yeah. how important Europa League is for this team. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of rest for this. It's, it's a very good news that they got this game done on a Saturday. They don't play till Thursday. And then yeah. they get the break and don't play Roma until Monday. So they really have plenty of time. Roma, as we know, have their own issues. They're not playing as great. So we'll see what happens with them. But Celtic, this is a true test for them. Um, mm-hmm. This is a no-slouch club, obviously. We've known the history. I think last time we played them was in the Champions League when we had Kaká and Balotelli on those teams. The last time Milan yeah, was yeah. in the competition itself um, back in 2013. So, look, expectation for me is this. I think I think we do see Kessie and Benacer start because they got the proper rest for this. If not, we'll, we'll see if Tonali in there. I think Brahim Diaz is, is going to... Uh, feature in this match. I think Hauge, John Peters Hauge, is, is going to get some burn and minutes in here too. Mm-hmm. This is an important three points, in my opinion, especially yeah. with this group is no slouch, right? I mean, it's not to say this is the Champions League or anything amazing. These fixtures are going to be harder than some of the matches that Milan would play against the Spezia of the world, right? This is right. just – it is what it is. But, again, this is good experience. This is just – this just helps everybody further along um, in this. This is – Something I, I think I think hopefully Rebic might be able for to be back in this. If he's not back in this, I mean his suspension is up anyways, by the way, for the Europa League. But if he doesn't come back in this, then I would anticipate seeing him in the Roma match. Um, mm-hmm. because it should be around like that's like a not another nine days from the Derby. So that should be plenty of time for him to potentially heal. But obviously this is just speculation by me. Um I'm expecting to win. I'm hoping for a win. Again, this is every time we, we've been talking, it's expectations have to be raised in general. And it's not right. to put yeah. pressure on them or get too down and when they lose a match because Milan is eventually going to lose a match. <laughs> Regardless of yeah. what you guys think, like uh, the unbeaten run is not going to go on forever. And although it's pushing into the 20s now, 16 matches unbeaten in Serie A, it's just still something to applaud. Um, yeah, so for me um, – I'm expecting a win. They're not the strongest team in general. They have some deficiencies. Um, they've been linked to their center back, Ajer. Um, I've heard some inconsistencies about him. He makes some stupid fouls every now and then. Um, his marking is suspect at times, which is perfect for, for us because, like, no one wants to play Milan. There isn't a club out there besides maybe Napoli and Serie A that, and maybe all of Europe right now that no one wants to play. Because there's one thing when a team has enough quality that you don't want to face them, but there's also an instance where a team is playing red hot with all the confidence in the world, and that's Milan right now. And for Mm -hmm. me, as well as Celtic might be playing in in their league, like they they just don't want to play this team right now, and especially Mm -hmm. when they're getting good rest for for a a match 
on a Thursday. So for me, I think I think Milan pull out the three points from this. I think we're going to see something like two nothing, and I just want to see the youngsters uh, go and perform at a high level as well. Yeah, I uh, I think Milan are um, are going to get a victory in this one. You're going to see some different phases. I, I agree with you that there's going to be some rotation in there, just because they have the luxury of not having options to rotate with um, that they haven't had in previous years. I, I could see something like Frank Kessie and Benasser getting the start, and then Tonali coming in at like the 45th, 50th minute just kind of saying, hey, like, we want to have Kessie get, you know, stay fresh. You don't want to overwork him, you know, but we want to give Tonali his minutes. And Or they it, could do he, the reverse thing. I think they did they the last time where Tonali started and then he played 60 minutes and then Kessie came on for the last 30 or was it with Benacer. I forget which one he started with, but I think it's potential for something like that, which I'm more than okay with. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think keeping player, keeping the players fresh is important. You know, I think, you know, Kessia and Tonali, I, I would be stunned if you don't see some sort of splitting of the minutes in that sort of double pivot alongside Ben Asser. Like you said, Kron Krunic maybe gets some more minutes. Hey, maybe he convinced Pioli enough to get a start in this one if they want to really want, really want to go get creative with this and give him that vote of confidence. But, you know, look, Brahim should probably start. Hakan. I would probably rest Rebic again because I think give Liao that other, that another opportunity in a Euro in a European match against a competitive side to keep that momentum, keep that consistency going. Would you would and, you want him up top where Ibra is, and then you have Howard no, on no, the no. left? I, I would do I would do I would do the same I would do the same sort of formation. I would okay. do Liao on the left, Hakan in the hole, and I would do uh, Hauger right on the right side. Give him the. You think the low features? I think the low he won't get a start. No, I don't think he'll get. I don't think he'll get a start in this one. But I think he'll definitely play. I think he'll definitely get fifteen to twenty minutes towards the end of the match. Maybe longer because like Calabria has played like almost everything. Right? Or Conti, maybe Conti gets minutes. Um, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait. The thing is, we have we have guys to work with. That's the that's the beauty about the it. Beauty. You know, well, we except for left back for poor bastard. Well, I, I I think yeah, <laughs> I think there's you know look I think there's there's opportunity in there for a lot of these players. But I think it's the team is kind of in a position now where. It's a one, it's a next one up mentality. There's no, ah, this player is, is disgruntled. He wants to play. Like, Krunic knows his role. When he comes in, he produces. Salamakers doesn't start every game. He's starting most games. But when Rebic comes back and Leao's in the form he's in, maybe mm-hmm. Salamakers comes off as a spark off the bench, but he's athletic. He gives you a little bit of a different dimension, you know? Same thing with Brahim Diaz. So you look at the squad, you look at the depth. In these sorts of matches, I don't, I don't have any sort of, um, reluctance to say, hey, you know what? Let's let's run Brahim out there. Let's start layout. Let's give Rebic an additional rest and breather to come fresh into that Roma game. You know, because Roma are still a team you gotta you gotta come with you a good worry. performance. You gotta respect right. them. Right. Absolutely. So with all this being said, I, I can see some rotation. I, I I'm predicting a victory. I think Milan are deserving of that based on the performances they've put in and also mm-hmm. the coaching job that Pioli's done. I'm gonna go two zero with this one despite it being a Diego Laxalt revenge game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Nikita and and a bunch yeah, of the yeah, Milan yeah. Twitter yeah. guys found a, a Celtic account that someone's uh, like, Yo, calling, you guys said, yeah, Diego yeah. lacks all this shit," and then they were all like retweeting it. Just they do the retweets, no likes, no interaction with like a comment or a reply. They just retweet it, and then he's like, and then the guy who tweeted it out, he's got like a couple hundred followers. He's not even a massive Celtic account. He's like, even they knew he was shit this whole time. It's just, this is a very funny, but um, we should mention that Dalot is someone, by the way, who is capable of playing on the left side. Yeah. Um, from reported, uh, um, you know, comments from former Manchester United fans, uh, people who are well in the known with Portuguese um, footballers 
And you could just see in his transfer market, he's playing on the left side a few minutes. So maybe if he comes in as a substitute. But I also think Teo needs to start because I think, not saying his confidence got shook. I think he had a couple plays when he was moving forward that he were like, okay, yeah, there he goes where he drew the foul. I think Brozovic got the yellow card. And you're like, okay, we needed more of that. Although it is very difficult with Hikimi um, in that situation. Teo is like, this is the prime spot for a speedster for someone who is just able to push forward and create in the modern game in Europe versus a club like Celtic that mm-hmm. they really don't have players like that that could handle that um, sort of um, talent. So for me, I'm excited to see that. Hopefully we don't play Ibra the full 90, but something tells me he's going to want to play the full 90. Um, so, yeah, I think we both agree on the on the 2 nothing. I mean, there. look, yeah, I think you could even maybe see something if you want to get creative and you want to, I guess, give maybe Rebic minutes or, yeah, like you, you could move players around, right? You could start Ibrahimovic for 55, 60 minutes. There's no traveling, by the way. They, right. They stay at the San Siro, and then since they were technically away from the Derby, they host Roma, I'm pretty sure. So they're not Roma. having to have that, that extra – Traveling, as you mentioned, it's a great. That's a great point. So you could see something maybe where Ibrahimovic starts, Leao's on the left, and then maybe Leao is the lone guy up front, or maybe they bring Colombo in for 20, 20 minutes. You know, that's there's there's going to be rotation. I trust Pioli; he's done a good job with that in terms of pushing all the right buttons as far as you know. Oh, they rotating. do go to Celtic Park, excuse me. Okay, so they do go. Okay, listen. Next one up, two zero. I'm predicting. I'm, I'm yeah. standing by this team. I, I like what I've seen, and let's keep this thing rolling. Yeah. Um, look, again, this is we, – we could still go for a couple more minutes here because this is our podcast. Pet's not going to stop us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, this is – something you love to see is when you don't have to put your starters in for a full 90 minutes, the players that you bring in, that you brought in for a fraction of the cost. Like, how's Salamakers, Kier, all these guys – just a few million euros. This is they're, they're all under combined. Salamakers, Kier, seven million euros. I think Hauge went up to like five million euros. You're looking at three players that are under 15 million euros in, in total. That's less than what Milan play, paid for Bertolacci. I know you guys could just clean out your ears after that. But still, that is it's just to a testament of what is happening at the club. And they're gaining a lot of traction. They're gaining a lot of respect. And you know what? The important thing is this, everybody, that everyone has to remember and know this. Milan can reinforce the squad come January. Everyone is thinking we didn't make these additions toward, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the transfer market ended. Everybody was up in arms. Well, we'll, we'll look at it. We'll look at it right now. And we could say this. Milan is playing fantastic. They're undefeated. They're grabbing all these points. All these young players are – they are – that, that squad they fielded, um, I think Spezia was the last match before international break, I believe. It was, and even Gazidis uh, discussed this during the international break. It was one of the five youngest squads fielded in all of Europe, all leagues. And that is something that a lot of people still don't talk about on how young this team is at the end of the day. And I know you highlighted it a little bit with how experienced they are as youngsters. But the fact that they're this good now way before a lot of them are hitting their prime, you could only imagine what they're going to be able to do once those players hit those prime. If they make it into the Champions League, they get more money there. And we know this. Milan is Milan at the end of the day. They're always going to have that appeal. And if they figure out this stadium situation, if they get this money in there, players are going to want to come play for this club. 
And I'm talking about some of the, mo- the top-tier talent that Milan isn't going to have to go digging to go find like a Salamakers, which I, uh, I do think they should still do that stuff because it's cost-effective and it makes things a lot easier on a club to be run that way and you just splurge a lot of your cash on top-tier talent. You know, I'm not saying an Mbappe of the world, obviously. They're years away from that. But there is an opportunity in which they could strike eventually to get one of the top talents in the world like they have already with a Tonali before reaching the Champions League. I'm just saying, like, there is something there. They have to finish this strong. Get to January. Be within, if, even if you're not in the top four, if you're right outside of it where you're still – you smell blood in the water because this team was way further out of fourth last year. By the way, Matt, match day 10 it took for Milan to get 12 points. They have that within the first four match days this year. So I'm just saying the progression is a lot better at the start of the season. We talked about all the time on how important it is to get a strong start to the season as well. They're doing that. And they, they got a couple of matches that they get to get through. October is going to be one of the more tough months for them in general. But mm-hmm. anything else, last thoughts before we head out here? No, I mean, everything we, we mentioned pretty much before the season began, you know, Milan have been delivering on that, right? You know, we talked about, you know, they got to get a good start. They got to get some good performances. They got to stay healthy, right? And for the most part, you know, aside from Rebic, getting Romagnoli back, yes, you know, Ibrahimovic with COVID and some of the COVID cases, health, fitness, keeping guys fresh, keeping guys motivated, you know, getting those consistent performances in, keeping guys ready to go, you know, off the bench, coming and, and making a difference. They've done all the right things. And I've been talking about this at length is that the first three games, no one was going to be going to base Milan's season off of. No one was going to say, eh, wow, Milan are back. They needed that Derby victory yesterday. That's a, that's, that's a match they, they desperately needed given all these sort of things in play. And they when the, the Lazios and Juves are yeah. dropping points, by the way. Right. Sorry. Right. No, no, no. Of course. It, it, it's, it's, it's refreshing and, and, and delighting to see then bank those points now. You know, you get a nice hot start and you look at the first half of the season. And then when you look at where they're positioned, when we get to that point, you could say, hey, you know, they didn't leave anything to chance. They didn't leave any or they left as minimal points as they possibly could on the field. And that's so important because we saw what happened a couple of years ago, right? Uh, you finish one point off fourth. And all it takes is a slow start. All it takes is two, three games for you maybe not to have your best performance, be sluggish, not have your full team there, not be motivated, switch off after a Derby victory. That's another mm. thing. You get the victory against, the Dar- against Inter that you haven't had in years. And a lot of teams, they kind of, eh, they regress or they take a step back. Or they and they made they Inter go, flustered as well, right, by the way. Right. You could right, tell they're pissed off right. they lost that match. Right. Right. So you look at all the factors in this team and you look at where they're positioned. They're positioned to get to where they want to be. And it's very important when you look at how some of these teams are playing around Serie A. Don't worry about Inter. Don't worry about Atalanta. Don't worry about Napoli, Roma, what other Mm -hmm. teams. Because you know there's going to be competition for top four. Come to the field, ready to play for 90 minutes, and put your performance in. Because you see what happens when you win. It isn't a wonderful thing, but you don't have to rely on other teams for results. You go and say, you know what? I don't care what Napoli and Atalanta are doing. I'm going to go and play my game. We're going to win, and we're going to put the pressure on them to get the points and not the other way around like it has been in, re- in recent years. So I- I'm feeling confident about this team, and-, and let's hope we keep it moving. Yeah, uh, look, it's, it's some exciting times. We, you know, because we, we've been hyped up. And by the way, we should make the fun note that we mentioned yesterday, but 
we forgot. So Matt and I have been doing these soccer showdown podcasts since summer 2017, I believe. It was right before the Bonucci signing is when we linked up. This is the first Serie A game that we've known each other that Milan have won the Derby in, by the way. So this is, so this is a change in the guard. This is a long time coming. And, you know, it's, really, it's just really nice to see. Because, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say it's been as difficult to be a fan of Milan as it is for other clubs. Because I know how difficult it is to root for a terrible team. Like, my, my American football team over here is... The worst of the worst. It might just be Pescada. Uh, Matt can vouch for me on this. Like, I understand what it's like to root for the worst of the worst. For Milan, it's a little different. But to, to go from riches to rags is what essentially they did. And to just sort of see a glimpse of the climb back up, it's just – it's really heartwarming and it's great to see. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's it for now. Um, you guys can obviously go follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Please go and follow us. Oh, we got a TikTok for State of Play, by the way. So it's getting traction. Whatever um, stuff you guys want me to post goals-wise, I, I will post on there and, and highlight them. I'll cut them up and I put some music on it just to gain traction. Obviously, go subscribe to this on uh, Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. You could also obviously subscribe to State of Play pod. Um, go give Pet Berisha a follow as well on Twitter because he is still struggling to get to a thousand followers. So always got to do what I can for him. Um, for my man he, a bone. <laughs> he, he, he also picked Milan to win on the podcast, by the way. Yeah. So you guys got to show him some love for that. Also. Um, yeah. Just follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook page. You could like us there at state of play pod is the Twitter account. You guys could go follow as well. But other than that, um, Forza Milan and uh, thanks for listening.